And I'm Madison. And this is Driveway Moment. We are doing a crime episode. So in honor of spooky season and it slowly turning into fall, we are going to be reading you guys two true crime stories. We each did our own research. I'm really excited about mine. Malia doesn't know mine. You guys obviously don't know mine and I don't know hers. So honestly, mine isn't super creepy. Like it doesn't give you weird feelings. I feel like true crime is for the fall, but I get terrified. So this one's mine isn't super scary at least. Yeah, I would say that mine is like, there's a murder in it. Mm -hmm. There's not a murder. There's a missing person. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters. And, what do I even say other than, hey? (sighs) Well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better. And dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. So. Okay, I'm really excited. Also, I'm so happy we did the Would You Rather episode. It was so much fun, and I want to do more episodes like that, but I love to see what you guys voted on on the polls on Instagram, because the one about the toe and the fingernail was so shocking and so gross. Like, I don't know whose mind would have thought of that, But it was so interesting to see because it was completely 50-50 on which one you'd choose. So I'm happy that I wasn't alone. Well, when we went camping, we went to the beach and went camping last, I don't even know when it was. But when we went, I asked everyone while we were hanging out and I feel like it was pretty split. Like a lot of people were like, I'd rather just get it over with, like kick the wall and have it be done. And then you just take it out rather than slowly prying your fingernail off. So... No, it's so bad. Okay, are you ready to listen? I am. So the story starts out with an older woman named Charlotte. She's 50 years old. She's a mom of three, two boys, one girl. They're all older, so they're moved out of the house. She's an empty nester. She's no longer married to the dad. They divorced, but they're, he's actually deceased, so he's not even in the picture anyways. And... She's just at her house. It's a regular Tuesday. She's a nurse, so she's getting ready for work, and her phone starts ringing. And thinking nothing of it, she just answers. And the second she answers, she hears, Mom, please help me. These guys have me. They have taken me. And she instantly knows that this is her daughter's voice. And she is like, Kristen, Kristen, is that you? And, of course, her heart sinks. She's panicking. And then a man comes on the phone. And he says, do exactly what we say, and we won't kill your daughter. (sighs) So she asks them, she's like, okay, well, what do you want? The guy on the other end of the line is like, well, how much are you willing to pay for her life? And so she's like, okay, what the heck? Obviously, she's in sheer panic. Like, her mind's not in the right space. So she's like, okay, can I hear her voice again? And he's like, no, that's the last time you're going to hear from her. Unless you do what we say, we are going to kill her. So... She's panicking. Nobody's around her, like I had mentioned earlier. She lives alone. They tell her, do not tell anyone. Do not call the cops. And obviously, she's willing to do anything to save her daughter. But remember, this was a Tuesday morning while she was getting ready for work. She needs to go to work still. So she tells the people on the other end of the line, I need to call my work and let them know I'm not going to be there. They tell her, absolutely not. You cannot hang up on the phone with us. The second you hang up, we're killing your daughter. So she ends up being a no-call, no-show for work, which is completely out of character for her. 
they go on to tell her that they want her to wire the money to a random address in Mexico. Okay. But the only way to wire the money is going to a little Mexican market where you can wire money that way. So first, she has to go to her bank and drain her savings account, drain her checkings account. And the second she gets in the car, they ask her, okay, what are you driving? She tells them. They say, what road are you on? She tells them. So the entire time she's driving to her bank, she's telling them what road they're on. And they're telling her, okay, we see you. So, of course, now she's terrified because she's being watched. She doesn't want to do anything wrong. She doesn't want her daughter to die. And the entire drive, they're also on the phone with her. They keep instilling into her brain that she cannot hang up the phone. And if she does, the daughter is dead. And she asks, okay, let me hear Kristen's voice again. Can I hear her voice again? And the guy comes on the phone and is like, no, you cannot. You're making me mad. Stop asking questions. She's just trying to figure out what the end goal is and how she's going to get her daughter back. She doesn't dare to, like, ask again. Yeah. So she finally gets to her bank, drains her checking account, drains her savings account. And she's not some kind of millionaire either. She's just a regular woman who's a nurse that lives in Phoenix, Arizona. And so I think the most she had in there was about $11,000. So she drains the account completely. The people at the bank don't ask any questions about it. And the entire time, don't forget that her phone's in her pocket and the kidnappers are on the other end of the line listening. So the next step is to go to those Mexican markets I had mentioned earlier and wire the money. But the issue is that these markets have a maximum amount that you can send of $700. And the kidnappers are getting mad. They want their money and they want it now. So she has to drive from market to market to market to market. Not just in the Phoenix area, she ends up driving all over the state. Mm -hmm. And there is not enough time in the day to send all of the $11,000. The markets close and she's running out of options. So they let her go home, but they don't let her sleep. They don't let her get off the phone. So the entire night, she's tormented by them. If she hangs up, they're killing her. If she falls asleep and doesn't talk, they're worried that she's going to tell somebody else, going to call the police. So they keep her up and they keep tormenting her until the next day when she can go and yet again start the process over again by wiring the money through all these different little markets. This goes on for three nights in two days. So she's exhausted. She's barely in anything. She's basically delirious and running on just adrenaline. But finally, she sees the light at the end of the tunnel because she is making her last wire transfer. So the money is sent to them. She thinks, okay, I'm finally going to get my daughter back. But they keep hounding her. They tell her, we know that you have more money. This is not the last of it. How much is your daughter's life worth? They tell her they know that she just got a social security check and they want that too. So every cent that she's ever had is gone now. But she wants her daughter back, so she gets her social security check. She cashes it. They don't want her wiring it at these little markets anymore. They tell her, you need to drive to the border, the Mexican border, cross the border, and deposit it into our personal account. And then we're going to give you your daughter back. So exhausted, delirious, and feeling crazy, she starts driving to the Mexican border. She goes through customs, finds their bank, and deposits the money into their bank. This is all while she's still on the phone with them. So they've been on the phone for almost three days straight. 
they're going through customs with her they're going to the bank with her and they're saying still okay tell us the street name you're on let's confirm that we see you obviously she hasn't seen them yet the money is deposited into their bank and they tell her we want you to rip the receipt up we don't want any evidence of it and we need to hear you ripping the receipt so she does and they tell her to head back to phoenix she's gonna get her daughter back she has no money left but they did let her keep $50 for gas, which is so weird. <laughs> They're like, we don't want you in Mexico anymore. Leave. Yeah. So with her last $50 for gas, she heads for the border, is sitting in line, and it's her turn to go through. They are asking her the typical questions, and they say, ma'am, do you have any weapons? And she says, yeah, I actually do. One's in my glove box. And they start freaking out. They're like, okay, get out of your car. Why do you have a weapon? What's going on? They find the weapon, ask her if she has any more, and she actually does, one underneath her seat. So they find that, and they're upset. The border patrol is upset. It's a big mess. It's chaos. And she looks down and realizes that the kidnappers have hung up on her. Obviously, because they probably heard the border patrol, the police, and were scared. So she's panicking. And the mess with the border patrol gets figured out. She never mentions a thing about her kidnapped daughter because she wants to get her back. She doesn't want to do anything to piss these guys off even more. She's back on U.S. soil and frantically trying to call the number back, but they're not answering. So she thinks, okay, well, I'll just call Kristen, my daughter, because obviously they have her phone. And if they're not answering their phone, they'll hear her phone ring. They'll see it's me and they're going to answer. So she starts calling her daughter, Kristen, the phone's ringing, and with relief, she gets an answer, and it's her daughter. And she's like, Kristen, Kristen, are you okay? I'm so sorry that I got hung up on, blah, 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 blah. And she's like, mom, what are you talking about? I'm fine. I'm at home sitting on my couch. Obviously, she's flooded with relief, but realizes that her daughter was never actually kidnapped. <gasps> She hasn't slept for days and now she's completely broke? Completely broke and her daughter's fine. She was actually just getting scammed. It's called virtual kidnapping. How sad. But. That's crazy. That's why they wanted to keep her on the phone the entire time. And like if she did get off the phone, she would probably have a second to think like, okay, what's going on? But like you're frantic talking to these people just and they're taunting you the entire time. How did they get the daughter's voice, though? It wasn't. And they kept calling, because, so when she answered the phone, she heard a crying girl, and she immediately thought it was her daughter. I think it was, and it sounded like the girl's voice, I guess, but then she was like, Kristen, are you okay? So then they know the girl's name is Kristen, who they're virtually kidnapping. Oh, like, the, when they phone call, I'm guessing it was like, mom, mom, yeah. or something. Oh. And so... This was like right when iPhones came out and she was an older woman. So she didn't know you could text while you're on a phone call. And so that's why they kept her on the phone the entire time. And she didn't have a husband or anyone in her house that would be like, okay, what's going on? That's crazy. That's so awful. That is actually just so sad that that could happen. I know. And I guess it's happened a lot. So like I read this story and I read a couple things about it and... I was looking for more, and it happens a lot in Arizona because that's where the border is. And she wasn't, it was only $11,000 that they took from her, but that, I mean, that was all the money she had. So it wasn't 
Like, she was even, like, a really wealthy person who they were, like, targeting. So it wouldn't even make sense for them to try get, like, ransom from her. Oh, that's so Isn't that crazy? Oh, that's actually just so sad. I know. Well, good thing her daughter was okay. I know, but what would you have done? I mean, I feel like it's because she's an older woman that mm -hmm. it happened. Well, and I feel like 2020 is hindsight, you know? Like, obviously, you're like, why wouldn't you just text them and see if they're okay? Yeah. Oh, that's so... I know, but I'm like, they literally scammed the most perfect woman. Literally. I wonder if they knew stuff about her before. I know. They probably had to. Oh, ew, that's so sad. I know. Especially being up for days on end. That, like... But, like, that's what they do. And so you're so out of your mind that you're, like... panicked and all the things. Uh, oh, that's so sad. Well, let's hear yours. Okay. <clears throat> so, my story is about a boy named Nicholas Barclay. Have you... Do you know who that is? Mm-mm. Okay, good. So, Nicholas Barclay... Barclay lived in san antonio texas he was born december 31st 1980 he was raised by his single mom her name was beverly beverly had three kids jason carrie and nicholas so jason and carrie were from a previous relationship marriage i'm not sure so they are nicholas's half siblings and they're way older than he is he's like a young young boy and they're older they don't live at home so it's just him and his mom his mom works the night shift and it does say that she was struggling with a drug addiction Mm -hmm. so just keep that in mind um but she worked the night shift and then nicholas was a very um troubled child his list of run-ins with the law include breaking and entering truancy stealing and even threatening his teachers he was known to be verbally and physically abusive with his mother and because of this, his mom asked his brother, Jason, his half-brother, to come and live with them so he could have, like, a male presence in the house to, like, kind of help out the situation. And so Jason came to live with them, which was not the greatest idea because Jason also had a drug problem and a raging temper. And so because of the, like, unstableness of the three of them living together, the police were called repeatedly to their house mm-hmm. for domestic disturbances. So because of all of that... Nicholas was scheduled for a court date um, June 14th, 1994. And this court date would have been like the deciding factor if he was going to be put into a group home. Mm -hmm. Like the police and his school counselors and everyone was like, okay, he obviously needs more stability and being put in a group home would give him like the parental like... Guidance. guidance kind of like it would just be more stability and more people to watch him because mm-hmm. he was a kind of a troublemaker so that was happening on june 14th of 1994 so he was 13 at this time in june it's kind of confusing so there's different reports some people say it's the 10th some people say it's the 13th mm-hmm. but he was playing basketball at a local park and He calls his house and his brother Jason answers, his half-brother, and he's like, hey, I'm at the park playing basketball. Can mom come pick me up? And he's like, no, mom is sleeping. She works the night shift, so she can't. 
so just walk home. And his brother. Yeah, this is his brother Jason talking mm-hmm. to him on the phone. And Nicholas, I don't know if their exact conversation, but anyway, Nicholas is like, whatever, you suck, I'll, I'll walk home. So he hangs up, and that's the last time anyone ever heard from him. Jason? No, Nicholas. Nicholas? The 13-year-old boy. So it wasn't super uncommon for him to disappear for a couple days at a time because mm-hmm. he was a little bit of a troublemaker. And so, like, that's why I think it's a little bit confusing if it was the 10th that he was at the park playing basketball or the 13th. So he was reported missing on the 13th. From what I was reading, it sounds like he went missing on the 10th and they waited till the 13th to report him missing because he kind of would run away sometimes. Mm -hmm. And then he had that important court date on the 14th. And so they're like, he obviously doesn't want to have to deal with the court date. And so the mom is like, he just ran away. Just so you know, we're not like, he's not here. So the police are like so unworried about it. They're like, eh, he runs away all the time. I'm sure he'll come back. Mm -hmm. Just give him a couple days. I'm sure after his court date, he'll come back. Well... He did not, and they did not have any real leads or anything for three years. So there was one time, I think his brother Jason was like, I saw him digging in the shed by our house, but it was like never could be confirmed, and they like, I don't know if the brother was on drugs at this time or what, but they like, no one believed him. Mm -hmm. Then three years later... Just as they were, like, losing all hope, like, okay, they haven't heard anything, he's missing, they get a phone call from Spain. It's this director of a children's home in Spain, which is basically, like, an orphanage. Mm -hmm. And they're like, we have Nicholas. And they're like, what? And they're like, we have Nicholas. He was, he's in Spain, he's at this children's home, he um, says he was kidnapped in by high-ranking government officials of Spain and he was brought into this child prostitution ring. Wait, he was kidnapped by the people of Spain? So, I'll get into that. Anyway, so he claims that him and other kids were forced to do horrible things. He also claimed that they were part of like bizarre experiments that these government people would do on them. So, when... Nicholas went missing. He had blonde hair and blue eyes. And he said that when he was kidnapped, these government officials were doing testing on them. And they did this crazy, like, science experiment with him. And they would put needles. They would inject needles into their eyeballs. And it changed the colors of his eyes. Because his eyes are now brown. Is it actually him? They, he said that they did this so that he would be unrecognizable. And so then that way he could, like, be part of their prostitution. After this phone call, I believe they, the director of the children's home was the people that called them. And then they're like, okay, well, we want to talk to him. So then they talked to him. And it, he literally just was like, hi. Because he, like, was very traumatized. Mm-hmm. And so... His sister, Carrie, she's older, so she doesn't, like, live with the mom or anything, but she is like, oh, my word, of course. So she hops on a plane and flies to Spain, Mm -hmm. and she goes out to Spain to rescue her baby brother, and then when she flies there, she, like, sees him, and it's been years since they've seen each other. She immediately embraces him and is like, oh, I'm so happy you're here. And he has a really strong accent, and she's like, that is so weird. Like, what the heck? But he's been 
in Spain and he was saying that they forced he like wasn't allowed to speak English at all. Mm-hmm. He could only speak Spanish. And so then they hop on a plane and come back to the United States and she's like, "Yep, you can come live with me and my husband and my kids." And so it's not him. He starts, he goes to school and everyone's all excited. Like I think he like goes on TV shows, people are all excited about it. And once he once he gets back to the U.S., it's just weird because he, first of all, he left a blonde-haired, blue-eyed kid mm-hmm. at 13, and then he comes home, and he has, like, darker hair, and he's 16, and his eyes are brown. Okay. Anyway, but he's telling all these horrible, crazy, like, terrifying things that happened to him. Mm-hmm. Like, just all the things they made him do and like just really sad things Mm -hmm. anyway so once he gets back to the united states the fbi is like okay well we need to investigate this like you were kidnapped on u.s soil and so he claims that he was at the park and um someone came up behind him and or so he's talking to these two guys and then while he's talking to them someone comes up behind him puts a cloth over his mouth and he blacks out from there and then he wakes up in spain just kind of interesting right so the fbi gets involved and they're like doing interviews with him and stuff and they're like this is not quite checking out there's a worker on the case and she's like there's no there's no way like there is no freaking way this is the same person Mm -hmm. like this is weird the sister is like this is totally him. Like, give him some grace. He's been through so much. Like, if he's, like, acting a little weird or, like, has a weird accent, like, he's just been through so much. Mm-hmm. So, and then the mom is, like, the same way. Like, oh, it's definitely him. Like, he's just been through so much. I'm not going to, like, not believe my child. Like, it's been so long. Whatever. Anyway, but then his brother, the first time his brother sees him, he literally is, like, good luck kind of gives me chills right you're that like is so creepy what anyway so um i'm like sweaty i know so then anyway sorry i'm getting kind of distracted i forgot to mention that that's kind of a big part of the story anyway vince is he goes on a show and like a tv show a news show and they're asking him like what happened and someone from the fbi was like okay we need to interview him because they see him on the show and like when he's recollecting all these horrible things that happened to him Mm -hmm. like he's not doing the body language that you do when something traumatizing happens to you Mm -hmm. so they're like that's weird so then he goes to the fbi and they are like doing all these interviews and okay so after hearing the story because it was like very publicized and televised um a private investigator charlie parker had heard the story and Charlie's like, uh, something is suspicious here. So the hair and eyes, they're like, you can't, you can like color your hair and stuff, but like you could see that his hair was darker. Nicholas's hair was growing and darker. It wasn't mm-hmm. blonde. You can't change your eye color. Charlie's like, who is believing this? Who right. believed that someone poked needles in this kid's eyes? Like, this is weird. And also Charlie was like, it's extremely extremely unlikely that these people who kidnapped you would go to the length of like doing science experiments to change your eye color to put you into prostitution Mm -hmm. like that just does not make sense anyway also is that even possible okay so 
Charlie Parker was like started doing just their their job, the investigative stuff, and was like, "This is not like this cannot be real. Like, how are people actually believing this?" Mm-hmm. And so I believe it was Charlie who like in years past had talked to police officers and stuff who would look at people's ears to see like the shape of your ears and apparently ears can be as distinctive as fingerprints i don't know if that's true but that's what i read anyway like because everyone's ears are different like Mm -hmm. the way they are anyway he looked at nicholas's ears from an old picture and then the new nicholas's ears and they're completely different Mm-hmm. He's like, okay, there. This is this is not the same person. Mm-hmm. I don't know how this. How are people believing this? Well, they um, the FBI wanted Beverly to do a DNA test, mm-hmm. and she wouldn't. You're like, what? Why wouldn't you just do a DNA test? Like she in on it? It's so confusing. So you're like, what the heck? So anyway, the FBI ended up getting like a search warrant and they're like, you have to give a DNA test. So they, she went and got a DNA test and then they took Nicholas, Nicholas's DNA and it wasn't a match. And so then that was like, for sure, this is not Nicholas. Mm -hmm. Come to find out, Nicholas, who was supposed to be 16, was actually a 23 year old French citizen named Frederick Pierre Borden. He was a notorious con artist. So, okay, and not to mention, I literally ruined the whole story by not telling this at the beginning. When Nicholas came back to the United States and moved in with his sister, he started going to school, and he had a 16-year-old girlfriend. Ew. I know. Literally such a freaking creep. But apparently, um... Yeah, he's a con artist, and but what this would he was, even get out of it? So Attention? the reason that he did this—he's a con artist. He was a felon, like he was supposed to be in jail. He was running from the police. Mm. He was running from the law. So what? How this whole thing happened is Frederick called the police on a payphone and was like, "There, I'm a tourist." in Spain and there's this poor lost boy. He won't speak. He's panicked. He's hungry. Like he needs help. Mm-hmm. And so he calls the police, hangs up, then sits there and waits for the police to show up and pretends to be this poor sad child who needs help. Then he knew that if they thought he was a kid, that and if you didn't say anything and like wouldn't do anything, that like they tried giving him food and he wouldn't even take it like Mm -hmm. he just acted so traumatized so then the police bring him to the police station and he like won't respond to them and stuff so they bring him to basically an orphanage Mm -hmm. and when he's at the orphanage he is like okay i um something to the effects of like okay i'm actually american and I, I need to call my family. Like, I, I know their number. I want to call them. And they're like, okay. So he goes into this, like, little office room. And he's like, but I have to do it by myself. I have to call them by myself. Like, I want to be the one to call them. So he goes into this room. And I guess there's, like, a computer and a phone in there. And he just starts Googling or looking up. I don't know exactly how he did it. But I guess he, like, found phone numbers for U.S. police stations. 
and would call them, give his description and say, do you have any missing kids that match this description? And then I guess they, um, he called a police station and they're like, oh yeah, like that looks like Nicholas Barclay. And so then they faxed over a photo of Nicholas Barclay's missing person report and Nicholas Barclay and Frederick both had a gap in between their two front teeth. It was a black and white photo. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, okay, yeah. Like, it looks like it could be a match or whatever. So then he finds Nicholas Barclay's family info, calls them, pretends to be the high up person at this orphanage to whoever answers the phone. Then is like, yep, we have your son. And he's like, okay, what does he look like? Blah, 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 blah. And they're like, yeah, he has blonde hair. And Frederick does not have blonde hair. And they're like, yeah, he has like three different tattoos. So Frederick finds this girl in the orphanage to go and buy him hair dye and to give him these three tattoos so they match. That is insane. And why would a 13-year-old have tattoos? Well, because Nicholas was kind of a little, little boy, little troublemaker. But anyway, so then... His sister comes to town and he literally like listening. I haven't not heard him, but he had a really strong accent. So I don't even know how that was believable at all for anyone. But anyway, his sister comes to town and when he goes back to the U.S., like they make him up a passport. He gets one from the government. They literally make him a passport. That's insane. I know. So he goes back to the U.S. with her and in like customs and at the airport. I'm not exactly sure. This was literally in like 94, I believe, Mm -hmm. or 97 so Mm -hmm. i don't know what the airports were like then but he literally you need to see the photo he's wearing two hats or three hats no two hats a huge scarf and like a huge jacket because he's a wanted criminal and like so he has to hide yeah and so that's why he was wearing that like when he came to the u.s anyway like to finish off my story the um What's his name? Frederick is positive that the brother Jason killed (gasps) Nicholas. There's no proof at all, but he thinks that that's how he knew for a fact without a doubt that he wasn't the real Jason. Or, sorry, he wasn't the real Nicholas. Because the first time he saw him, there was no, like, I'm so excited to see you. He, like, walked into the room and was like, good luck and walked away. Well, no, the him, when he said, he said, good luck, gave me literal heebie-jeebies. Like, I I feel scared. Well, and then. And now that makes sense. And that's honestly mm -hmm. terrifying. Well, no. And what's even more terrifying is like, you know how the mom was like, I will not give my DNA. Yeah. They think, like, people, people were saying that they think that the mom and the brother, like, either were part of what happened to the boy or like the mom found out about it but then didn't want to turn her son in like didn't want to lose both her sons basically you know hey this is terrifying i know literally but isn't that crazy anyway he got um frederick got like deported back to wherever and it was he did it again like he pretended to be another kid that is but now he's old and married and yeah frederick yeah isn't that weird it is yeah isn't that a weird creepy story that story is terrifying okay i'm sorry i don't know why it's so creepy to me I know. well my thought is well my first thoughts was about the mom like 
hearing, oh, my son's back, Mm -hmm. like, she'd probably miss her son so badly that she would be like, wouldn't want it to not be him, even Mm -hmm. if the signs didn't say. But also, jeez. I know. Like, the part that just sticks out to me so much is that he, when he came back to the U.S., Frederick, pretending to be a 16-year-old, went to high school and dated a 16-year-old girl when he was 23. Like, that's disgusting. It's actually two years away from legal age, but yeah, it is gross. But still, it just, that's... I think 23 and 16 actually isn't that terrible, but... Uh, I just feel like that's... I feel like if it was, like, 13, that would be really weird. Okay, but I feel like... Uh... 16's age of consent, too. I think at 16, you're an adult, but... I still think that's creepy, but... I guess. I just, I'm, I'm just not freaked out about him saying good luck. I'm literally going to be haunted. Uh, yeah. Anyway. <sighs> really interesting. Anyways... Happy Halloween, guys. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. that was good. I know. my We got, like, cute, cozy fall drinks, and my apple cider is cold now. Oh, so is my mind. <sighs> I'm literally scared. No, it's okay. I hope... Okay, your story was a lot, like, lighter. Scam. I actually was thinking it'd be fun to do an episode on all the scams. Oh, I feel like there's so many. I know, <gasps> and they're all so interesting. No, I feel like... Older people get scammed a lot more. Like, elderly people. Like, your mom? (laughs) Can we tell that story? Yeah, my mom almost got scammed. Like, literally a millisecond away from being scammed. Actually, let's save it for our scam episode. Let's do one. I think it'd be really fun because... I don't know how often people get scammed, but I feel like it's pretty often. Especially, like, when you're traveling and things like that. Even small scams... And we'll do some research, we'll just read some crazy ones, and then we'll read ones from you guys. And now that I think about it, I actually have a scam story that I want to tell. Anyways, so, the link for that will be in our show notes. It'll also be on our Instagram, Driveway Moment Podcast. So, go follow us there. And, yeah, don't forget to rate and review us. We hope this episode got you in the fall mood and didn't scare you either. Bye. Happy fall, y'all. <laughs> so cheeky. I literally hate that. Sorry, delete that. Bye. Bye.